All right, I apologize now for the audio quality of our recording today. It was, I did not charge our normal recording device, and so, sorry about that. First Timothy chapter 1, First Timothy chapter 1. Today And again, a reminder, in September, we will go back to a normal schedule, Sunday school at 10, service at 1045, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, um, here in the building, and excited about uh, getting back to a little bit more normal. Again, it's been a long time. Start thinking about it, counting up the days. My goodness, it's been mid-March since we've had Sunday school and uh, Wednesday night in person, so it'll be, it'll be good to get back back to a little bit of normalcy again. 1 Timothy chapter 1, our theme this year has been love thy neighbor, and we've talked about that off and on throughout the year. And uh, again, we kind of want to look back at that thought, but in 1 Timothy 1, verse number 5 is our text. We'll look at some other verses throughout the sermon, but in verse number 5 it says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. Now, there, the sentence goes on, uh, and, and so we will look at that in a moment. But we see here in verse number 4, he's giving warnings to not heed fables and endless genealogies uh, and these different things. And then in verse 5, he does say, The end of the commandment is charity out of pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. So we're going to use the very simple three points that are given to us here in this verse today. And uh, let's ask for the Lord's help. God, we do thank you for, again, allowing us to come, open up your word, and learn from it today. And God, I pray that as we look at this verse and this passage, that God, you would draw out of us the necessary changes that need to be made. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today and challenge us and encourage us through your word. Help me to present uh, these verses clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here, again, the term charity come up. It's the same charity that is talked about in the love chapter of, of uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, here we have this idea, again, of loving. And the end of the commandment is loving out of three different things, a pure heart, a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. When we're talking about loving our community, when we're talking about getting into our community and reaching people for the Lord... We're talking about doing this not just at a one-time event, not just a once-a-week event, but a daily loving our neighbor the way that we are supposed to, biblically loving our neighbor, showing them God's love through his word, through his gospel, as well as in the way that we live, showing forth an example of God's love and how we are living on a daily basis. And so we're given three thoughts here in verse number five. The first one is uh, charity out of a pure heart. Or point number one today, a genuine love. A genuine love out of a pure heart, meaning that it is coming from a pure place, from a genuine place within our heart. Sometimes we show love, but in our heart, our motive is not really loving. Sometimes we show love, but our motives are wrong in why we are showing love. Now you could argue, well, is it better to show love with the wrong motives or to not show love, and, and I guess you'd still have the wrong motives, but uh, nonetheless, I think you would argue, yeah, it's better to show love than to not show love. But God, and not only with love in, in all of our Christian living, God encourages and challenges and commands us to do so from the heart, 
from the inside out. And when we're talking about loving our neighbor, we must have love with a genuine and pure heart. In verse number 6, it says, From which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Now, vain jangling here is, is I think, it's a very picturesque uh, terminology. But it's empty. It is speaking that is just, it's empty talk. It's not necessarily wrong talk as far as sometimes when I hear the word vain jangling, my first thought goes to gossip. But it's not even necessarily gossip. It's not even talking about necessarily uh, um, wrong talk. It's talking about empty talk. And I think sometimes when we're showing love, we show empty love. It's not genuine. It's not from the heart. It's not truly loving my neighbor. It's doing something that is right, but doing it vainly, doing it emptily, if that's even a word. And we get to the point where we'll say, I love my neighbor, but it's empty. The talk is empty. Sometimes our actions are empty even as well. The reason why I'm loving my neighbor is to get some credit. We show love sometimes to get credit. Verse number seven, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Here it's not specifically talking about the charity aspect of verse number five, but I think it points out a good point. They had a desire to be teachers of the law. That's a high honor. They wanted to be looked upon as someone that is special. Titles are something that some people have to have. They crave a title in their life. If you've ever gotten a business card, when I worked in sales um, with the radio station, I got a business card. And my business card title was Executive Media Consultant. I was sales. I was the only salesperson that worked at the radio station. There was nobody else uh, under me. As a matter of fact, you couldn't get any lower than I was on the totem pole. But my title looked a little better when you handed it to a business owner than just sales. Now, I think in today's world, people are learning that everyone in sales has a title not called sales. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a mind uh, trick that you try to throw on people to make them less aware that you're trying to take all their money and uh, that you're actually someone who knows what they're doing. You know, when it comes to titles, oftentimes, and I've seen this a lot in ministry, is a title is so important to someone. And they'll do whatever it takes to receive a title. I think I've told you this before, but when I went to Indiana, at the church in Indiana, uh, when I was voted in as pastor, there were three assistant pastors. None of them were paid, um, but they all had title of assistant pastor. Two of them resigned uh, um, as soon as I got voted in. They didn't leave the church. They just resigned the title of assistant pastor. They really weren't doing uh, much to, not to re- have a title. There's really no reason for them to have a title. Uh, the third one did uh, remain, retain his title and, and served in different ways around the church as the assistant pastor. You know, I remember one of the, those guys that resigned his title, he said to me, and there was a reason why he did it. It was, it was uh, just a, we had a difference of opinion on a Bible passage, and, uh, and he just was kind enough to submit to my belief on the verse and say, well, in that case, I'm not qualified uh, to hold the title, and, and he stepped away from it. But the point was, is that he said to me, he said, I don't need a title. So I'm still going to serve in the church. I'm still going to do whatever you ask me to do. And as long as it's biblical and uh, who cares about a title? You know, I was young at that time. And I, and I remember at that time, titles were important to me, too. I felt like it was it was nice. It wasn't crucial. It didn't have to have one, but it was nice 
felt important with a title. You know, you think about it, what title is more important than the title of Christian? The title of God's child. There really is no more important title to have in the world. And so when we're talking about loving people, there are people who in a ministry setup will will show forth love with the hopes of receiving some sort of title or some sort of authority because of, of how they did so. At work, sometimes we do the same thing. In our job, in our, in our workplace, where we're thinking, well, maybe if I do this, even though I don't want to, and even though I'll go complain about it later, if I do this in front of this person, maybe I'll get promoted, maybe I'll get whatever, and so I'll be nice in front of them, but as soon as they leave and the rest of the coworkers are around complaining, I'll just join right in and complain with them. You see, it's, it's empty. It's vain janglings. It, uh, the love that we share sometimes is empty inside. And God demands for us to have a genuine love, charity out of a pure heart, right motives, right reasons for why we're loving people. There is no greater reason uh, to obey God other than the fact that He tells us to. And when God says, love your neighbor... Well, we ought to do it simply because God tells us to. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But we see here in this passage in 1 Timothy, they desired other things. They began to stray and get away from some things because they desired uh, to be teachers of the law, even though they didn't understand the law, even though they, didn't, they weren't qualified to be teachers of the law. Yet they still desired that authority or that title or that uh, honor, so to say. And so they would show love for the wrong reasons. A genuine love. Number two, we see a guilt-free love. It says in verse number five, charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience. A guilt-free love. In verse four, uh, we see this verse. It says, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. We see things that were causing debate instead of edification, we're being focused on within the church and within the Christians here that, are being, uh, uh, that, are, that we're looking at as it's being written to. And we see this idea of uh, people who were giving in to these debates as opposed to things that were actually helpful. I went to Bible college. I didn't learn much there, but nonetheless, I was there and I have a paper to prove that I at least did well enough uh, to get the piece of paper. And uh, while there, I had friends that liked to debate things. So, uh, you know, they were, in many cases, smarter than me. And, uh, and they had opinions that were different than my opinions and maybe different than my roommate's opinions. And so what I like to do a lot of times, I was never much of one that liked to sit around and talk a ton. I'd more rather go out and do something fun. And so uh, somebody would come into the room and I would ask a question that I knew that they had a difference of opinion on them and the other person in the room. And I would get them arguing with each other, and then I would leave and go to Taco Bell and uh, come back a few hours later, and they would still be in there discussing it. So I'd leave and go somewhere else. And uh, I enjoyed starting debates. I just didn't like being involved in the debates and kind of just egg people on a little bit. You know, oftentimes in a Christian life, we can spend so much time debating uh, differences of opinions, differences of thoughts, And in some cases, they're more important than other cases. But at the end of the day, in that debate, we fail to do anything productive for God. Now, you can argue that there are debates that need to be had that are productive, and I would agree with that at times as well. 
But here these folks were spending time with things that just really didn't matter. They were heeding fables, endless genealogies. Those things ministered questions rather than godly edifying. The conversations that you have, especially with Christians, are they leading to godly edification or do they lead to just debate or kind of just, I don't even know if argument would be the right word, but they're causing more questions and more discussion and more debate than they are actually helping anyone and edifying anyone as well. It kind of comes back to what we talked about last week, loving selflessly to help people grow spiritually. Sometimes we focus in on, uh, on different things and we say, well, I'm going to confront this person about this opinion, this topic, this thing, and, uh, and I'm going to get them to change. When you're talking about a young Christian, sometimes we focus too much on their changes and not enough on their actual knowledge of God. Now, I've heard people argue, well, if they'll change, it'll help them. And I argue the other direction where if we can help them with godly knowledge and godly wisdom and, and Bible teaching, they will change in God's timing. God will help them see the change and make the changes. Yet so many times we focus in on, well, they've got to change their hair, or they've got to change their dress, or they've got to change their music, or they've got to change their entertainment, or they've got to change whatever, that we lose out on actually teaching them things that are going to help them grow. We've talked about this a lot, but a lot of times in church, a kid hears this often because the Bible said so, but they don't hear the verse that says it. Because the preacher said so, but they don't hear any Bible that, that says it. Because mom and dad said so, and that is Bible, by the way, obey your parents. But as they get older, they need to learn the whys behind the reasoning. We need to learn to submit to authority as young children, especially understanding the importance. Well, if mom and dad says it, then I need to do it. But as they get older, eventually, and I've said this, I had this conversation just recently uh, with someone. Where when someone sees a flaw in a rule in a guideline, in a standard, where they've been told one thing their whole life, and then all of a sudden they start studying out in the Bible and realize it's not a biblical view. It might not be a bad viewpoint, but it's not a biblical viewpoint. All of a sudden it kind of pops the balloon. And you'll see people, instead of beginning to study out all the different things, they just go, well, if that one thing isn't true, then everything I've been told must not be true. And what they've learned was, is someone that didn't, uh, uh, didn't, teach them they just told them and it's so important that we teach especially new christians people who didn't grow up hearing the bible but our own children as well we have to teach them the bible truths and it's okay to have standards or convictions uh, that aren't black and white in the bible the principles taught in the bible and other people may disagree with you on it it's okay to teach your children hey this is our standard this is what we do because this is what the Bible says and this is what we believe the Bible is teaching about this principle. That's perfectly fine. I'm not telling you that you've got to have my opinions in everything that you do. But let's make sure that when we, especially when we're talking about new converts that come in and are learning, don't be so quick to go, well, you have to look like me, sound like me, talk like me, act like me. Be quick to go to the Bible and say, this is what the Bible teaches about the Christian life. That we have to be separate from the world. And we have to be different from the world. The things of the world, the things of God are at enmity. They fight against each other. They do not mix together. So we have to do things differently than the world does them. And here's what the Bible teaches us on how to do so. That will produce a guilt-free love. 
a good conscience in how we are loving. Not only that, but hypocrisy plays into this as well. Uh, sometimes we want to love someone by helping them. Hey, you're not doing this right. And because I love you, I want to help you do right. The Bible teaches us if you love someone, you help them to do right. Sadly, though, many people will love someone and help them do right while them themselves are doing wrong. Living in sin. Maybe a different sin than they're trying to help this person with, but living in sin. And while they're living in sin, trying to help other people do right, there is, that is not a guilt-free love. That is not a charity with a good conscience. Because you yourself are not doing right. Because you yourself are living in sin. I tell you, it, it kind of shatters uh, your world when someone is teaching you Bible, when someone is helping you with the Bible, when someone is praying for you and, and, and trying to help you, and the next thing you know is they're in, in open sin now. They're in deep sin. Things that ruin marriages, things that uh, send people to prisons, things that do all these different things. And you go, wait a second. You were telling me just recently, you were telling me over the past number of years to do this and this and this because the Bible said so and you were doing this the whole time? That's, that, that shatters. You sit there and, and I, remember, I remember sitting on my couch one day crying and thinking, what in the world? Now thankfully, uh, very solid home and my parents raised me well and my parents... Are, are follow the Bible and, and are obedient to God, and I'm so thankful for that. And so that wasn't just one person that I had uh, in my life teaching me Bible. And, and so when they, when I found out what they were, that you know it ruined everything for me. I had enough other examples in my life that proved that not every not every person was bad or evil to that degree. But I'll tell you, and this is why we talk about the importance of looking to God and not people, because people will fail. People will fail just. Uh, in ways that you can't even imagine. But if my hope is in that person, then I'm going to fall. If my hope is in God, then I'm going to stay faithful. And you see, you talk about here, oftentimes we would look at different instances throughout history of Christians who have fallen, and we'd say, well, that'll never happen to me. And there are areas and people have fallen, or I say that, I guarantee you that will not happen to me. But there are other areas where I might say it, but the reality is, is, is until I'm tempted, I have to prove that it won't happen to me. At the end of the day, we have to love people with a good conscience, a guilt-free love. In order to do that, we have to keep our life right. We have to keep our life clean. I received advice every time I talked on the phone with a person and every time we were getting ready to hang up, that person told me, stay in your Bible, stay faithful, stay uh, uh, active in your prayer life, do right. And that person fell. Does that mean that I shouldn't stay in my Bible every day? Does that mean that I shouldn't keep my prayer life active? Does that mean I shouldn't do right? No, obviously it doesn't. If I want to have a charity that is free of guilt, I have to live obediently to God no matter what anybody else does. It's just that simple. In 1 Timothy 1.5, we see a genuine love. We see a guilt-free love. And then thirdly, we see a godly love. It says at the end of verse number 5, and of faith unfeigned. 
When we're talking about loving people, we have to love people because we love God. If we love people just because we're supposed to love people, we're not going to be able to love people. I don't know if that made sense or not. Uh, I heard a, a preacher, and now I can't for the life of me remember his name, but he said, I don't like people. It is impossible for me to love people, all people, my neighbors, my enemies, everyone that the Bible tells me to love. It's impossible for me to do that. But I can love God because God gives me no reason to not love him. And because I love God, I can love people the way that God tells me to love people. But if I don't love God properly, I'm not going to love people properly. And so when we're talking about faith unfeigned, it really is the confidence in God that we have. The confidence that if I love people the way that God tells me to, God will give me the strength I need to love those people. The confidence that, that because I love God, God will help me love my neighbors. Faith unfeigned. Unfailing faith. There are people that, that God puts in our lives that are not easy to love, and we have to look at it and go, but God, I might love them the way that you've told me to love them, but they never reciprocate that love. They still treat me wrong. They still talk down to me. They still mistreat me. They still whatever. Well, God says, love them by faith in me. I've joked about this, and, and since we do record, I won't say any names or even too much about it, but there are people that I have worked with that when they walked in the room, man, you just go, oh, why didn't they quit? <laughs> Do they have to come to work today? Did I have to come to work today? Why do we have to be in the same room together? You know, it's uh, uh, after spending 26 years at the ranch and working with like-minded people, you step away from that and you get into a, a different atmosphere. And I'm not saying that, that everybody that I worked with in the 26 years I lived at the ranch, I, I, I loved like awesomely. But, uh, but at the end of the day, when you, when you compare them to the other people now that I've worked with in sales and different things like that, you go, man, those people weren't that bad after all. And they're just people, and you know them, their voice, oh, man. You can hear him from a mile away and just, oh, why do I have to hear that voice? Their face, oh, man, I just didn't have to look at them and to see that snarly little smile on their face and I'd be okay. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You've all been there. You've all seen those people. That's the nice thing about the masks, right? You can't see most of their face. And you really can't hear them that well either. kind of muffled. So it works out okay. You see, a godly love is a love that is uh, planted or rooted in faith in God. Because I love God, I love these people. Our society, it is not a, a secret, our society is pretty wicked. The things going on in our culture, the things going on in our communities right now are just, are just evil. And you look at it and you say, God... I can love these people the way that you told me to, but it's not going to change anything. I would argue you don't know that. But there's a good chance it's not going to change much. But because of my faith in God, and God has told me to do it, and I'm going to have faith that God's way is perfect, and that God knows better than I do, then I'm going to go ahead and love people anyways. 
talk about literal neighbors, people next door to your house. I hope you get along with them. But I know that it's not always the case. Sometimes the neighbor next door, they just don't seem to like you. From the moment you moved in, they never talked to you. They never said anything to you. But for whatever reason, they don't like you. It's hard to love them the way that God wants you to love them. But by faith, that God's way is perfect, and that God knows what he's talking about, love them anyways. That co-worker that, uh, that is just mean, just negative all the time, hurtful, whatever, by faith in God, love them anyways. Here in these passages uh, in 1 Timothy 1, it goes on in verse uh, 7, 8, and 9, talking about different sins and different things. About the, the simple fact that in verse number 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers and manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, uh, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, the purpose for the law is for the lawless. The purpose for church is for sinners. The purpose for the Bible is for sinners. Find me a perfect person. You can't. You see, God gives us the scriptures. And in the Scriptures, He tells us to love people, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies. In Scripture, He tells us that we should have charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. And He reminds us that, that the law is given for the lawless. And look in verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. The gospel is the one thing that we can look to and understand that it is for every person that we're supposed to love. It ought to be presented to every person that we're supposed to love. There is not a person on this earth that God goes, no, you don't need to share the gospel with them. There's not a person on this earth that God looks at and says, you should, you should find yourself better than them. You don't need to talk to them. You won't find that in Scripture anywhere. You won't find that in Christ's life and the example that He left for us. But in order to love people with a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned, we have to understand the purpose behind doing it. It is for the glorious gospel of the blessed God. It's just that simple. You cannot uh, mistreat people and then take the gospel to them and expect them to care one lick about what you're going to tell them. It won't work. But if we love them with a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned, then the door is wide open for us to present the gospel to them. We like to argue with people. Some people do. We like to, to debate with people. We like to share our opinions. Our opinions must be heard. Social media has, has definitely built that up in our society today. You need to hear my opinion. It's important. Love people. Do it selflessly. Do it out of a pure heart, good conscience, and faith unfeigned. And then, when you've loved them, show them the ultimate love, 
through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. We need your help to love people properly. 